0: Hey, what's up, Tribble Nation? This is Len, aka The Bad Tribble, I'm letting you know that this episode of Triple Tang, brought to you at Amalgams Comics and Coffee House, features the creators of the new Solar Man comic book from Scout Comics, Mr. Joe Illich and N. Stephen Harris, as they joined myself, DJ Super Tang, as well as Master Tribble and Storm Tribble for a cool town hall meeting. That took place at Amalgam, where we kind of talked about what's been going on uh, here in America in recent days. It's been a rough week in America. It's been a rough month in America, and we have a very um, interesting, insightful, reflective, reflective, excuse me, um, dialogue about it with the audience there at Amalgam. It's really cool. Unfortunately, our audio problems that we have been experiencing during our Triple Tang events, at least as far as the recording aspect of it, continue on this episode as well. I've adjusted the audio as best I could, and I believe that you will still be able to hear you know, what was going on and get a feel of what was happening at this live venue. We're going to continue to uh, tweak this thing. It's only five shows in. Uh, um, but we're going to continue to tweak it until we get it right. But this was too important of a show not to bring to you. So I hope that you can enjoy it. Feel free to give us feedback at blacktribbles at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on uh, Twitter and Facebook as well. And reach out to Joe at Mr. Joseph P. Illich and N. Stephen Harris at N. Stephen Harris on Twitter. And reach out to Scout Comics. Grab a copy of. Uh, solar man the cool thing is that it sold out even though they came to sell comics and we had we wound up doing something um, completely left of that they were still able to sell out of comics at this sign so it was a great success for them as well as much as it was a success for the community all right enjoy put some sunshine on your face because we all need it i got mine go find some for you Woo! Woo! Woo!
1: Uh, my partner, Super Tang, uh, aka Pinot Triple. Pinot Triple? Yes. And uh, We settle on Pinot Triple? Yes. Yeah. I like
2: Pinot more.
3: That's All
4: right. right.
2: Pinot Triple. <laughs> She's taking like about four different triple things. You know. uh, this is Triple Tang. We do this once a month here
3: at uh, Amalgam Comics. We, it's a night of art, music, and trickery where we get down and have artists and writers come down for signings, we usually have like a musical guest. Um, But tonight, in light of everything that's been going on this week, we thought that we would um, have a little bit of change of pace. Um, There is a great deal of emotion, for lack of a better word, that is going on throughout the community um, in every city inside the United States. And we know that Malcolm Comics and Coffee House has been a, a beacon of uh, positivity, productivity, and um, and constructive conversation ever since it opened back in December. And shout out to Ariel Johnson for allowing us to use this space oh spot for us to kind of uh, get some feelings off our chest. I invite all of you that are standing up there because you, you all look very lovely there. There are open chairs. We actually, actually specifically
2: we counted
3: exactly. about <laughs> right on the There's out. one for each and every one oh, of you. And so they'll leave <laughs> you. Nevertheless, um so so um, like I was saying it's, it's interesting, uh, me and Tang, And also, I will be remiss if I did not introduce other members of the Black Tribbles that are here, um, including Kennedy,
4: a.k.a. the Storm Tribble. How are you doing there? Mm-hmm.
3: And then we have uh, the Master Tribble, Eric E. Mac, who just said that. So what of conversation it's, it's it's curious that here in a place of comics and and, um, and geekery, that we would have a conversation like this. Because very often throughout time, it has been the creative people, the artists of our time, who have been the ones who have kind of galvanized the spirit um, for, to be instruments of change. And I can think of very few better. Um, artists to active instruments of change, and the two that we have here tonight give a hand for writer Joe Village and artist
4: N. Stephen Harris. Who is now, I don't know
3: if you are aware, but Joe Village is literally the smartest man on the internet.
4: Yes. <laughs> 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 <Literally>. Thank you.
3: <laughs> he is, he is. And N. Stephen Harris, with all due respect to all the artists that are in the audience right now, N. Stephen Harris is literally the best paying artist in the world. Yeah. So, so um, Joe, uh, I want to ask you to start things off. Um, where are you at right now? I'd be very curious to, to to hear where you are in light of everything that's happened this week with the uh, the untimely deaths of Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge, Fernando uh, uh in Minnesota, and now the the horrific.
5: Happenings uh, last night that took place in Dallas. Um, where, where's your head? At? Where's your head at? Um, honestly, I am scared and pretty damn angry. And so, for me, I feel like the black community in America is being pushed into a no-win situation because. You know, you hear a lot of black parents and they give their children the talk. And the talk is, it might as well be titled, How to Survive an Encounter with the Police. And when you know that despite that talk, your son is still going to get brutally murdered, then what does that mean? That means that the absence of the talk gets your kid killed the talk still gets your kid killed because the people on the other side are abusing their authority and they do not care whether or not you use the vocabulary of being conciliatory in order to avoid a violent conflict. So for me, I'm really trying to figure out what is a possible solution?
1: How are we going to survive this? I to ask, do you mm-hmm. think that in light of all these incidents that are happening that, I mean, everybody's saying that something is happening, do you think that finally there are going to be some genuine steps into, you know, at least investigating or at least getting some type of justice for the people who are, who are dead now and then probably for, future uh, incidents that
5: are going to be happening? I mean, this week has just been so extraordinary because it's been back to back. I would like to think that because of that, that's going to represent a fever pitch that is going to yield some justice. Unfortunately, I don't think that. I think that because of what's happening with the presidential race because of what happened in North Carolina and laws being prejudicial against um, transgender people. I feel like this year in particular we are reaching an apex of open discrimination against people who are not white, male, and cisgender. So, I don't think justice is coming this year, and I want to be wrong, because these crimes are being committed with reckless abandonment. You've got politicians basically saying that real America is now going to go after Black Lives Matter. Openly threatening the
1: president. Yes,
5: openly threatening the black president, openly threatening Black Lives Matter, which is an organization Dedicated only to peace and justice and equal treatment. And in this climate where anyone can get away with that, unfortunately, I think it's going to have to get worse before it gets better. And I think the tricky thing is, what are we going to do in the face of it? And I think what's really dangerous is a lot of people are talking about a solution of armed revolution. Or they'll use a word like war. That's what they
1: say. I don't about that. <laughs> um, well, yeah. What do you say to those people who feel like there needs to be some type of, you know, you know, drastic action, almost as what the what the sniper was doing, trying yeah, to, right. kind of, you know, like look, you know, kind of, you know.
5: Struggle. I think, um, despite the undermining of the protests that just happened, I think protests are still very powerful. I think that. Occupy Wall Street and Black Lives Matter have reinforced the vocabulary of effective protest. I think that still has to be done. Right. I honestly don't feel anyone should say the word war unless they're fought in a war. For it's not what you see on TV, it's not what you see in the movies. Unless you have been in a war, don't suggest it. Um, An armed revolution, that's not going to because the enemy has more munitions. because the NRA is clearly presidential, um, um, prejudicial <coughs> against people of color. So I think the kind of revolutions that are gonna be required are going to involve more of the technology that we have at our disposal. I think we have to become invisible targets. I think we have to make it harder for them to kill us. And so we have to figure out ways to do things without necessarily being in their presence. You know, when you have organizations like Anonymous, when you have you have a lot of people that are technologically adept and you know they're using that knowledge to basically do things on Snapchat. And it's like, hey, why don't you take that technological knowledge and why don't you put it towards some kind of a revolution that can broadcast messages, that can um, inspire certain kinds of actions? Um, a friend of mine, uh, her name is Lisa Sorensen, she put up some posts today which suggested black people put more of their money into black banks, put more of their money into black credit unions. And so that is a way to say, okay, well, maybe we need to centralize our resources so we can figure out different ways to use these resources. So I think we have to figure out solutions that are aggressive but not with and.
1: I think we have to find ways to be invisible and effective. that. what do you mean? So, how do you feel about? Because um, one of the of information that I that I not really shocking, but I thought was kind of important was, you know, the, the shooter in Dallas um, was was a former military. Right. And um, I was just telling Lynn earlier. You know, watching TNC live, and I was like watching them because they. They will tell you like the raw story of things, and they were just saying, just imagine like this person, any person, going into the military um, to serve their country. And you know, here in America, we're all about patriotism and 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 loving our country. And then this young black male going to military, being trained by the U. S. to shoot, and then in return, all these things happening on his soil, you know, in this country, against his own people, and then he turns around and does this thing do you think this situation um will change the change people's minds because he's not the typical you know quote unquote terrorist that they want when these incidents happen like do you think it changes people's minds that he was somebody who served our country and because of the situation that's been going on like something psychologically probably you know snapped in him or you know some people said you know that you know he's full of rage. I mean when not saying that like, that would justify it, but saying that you know when you're angry or when you're full of rage and you're you're desperate and you want to make a change or you want some type of action, I mean you'll will go to the breaking point. So, like, my thing is, you know, is is that something that um, changes the situation? Do we think that we need to kind of relook into um, you know about the people who are protecting us um, in the country, and do we need to look back even with the veterans? Like, who are going around in the the U.S. protecting us and then coming back here and then not getting the same
5: respect? Yeah, I mean, I'm not qualified to say what took this man to that point, but if we want to think about the American military and how soldiers are treated when they come back home, they're not provided with sufficient benefits. And I would imagine one of those benefits that they're lacking in is adequate psychological evaluation. So they're coming back here with things like post-traumatic stress, you know, disorder, and something like therapy could prevent someone from using their anger in the worst way possible. Um, So I think we would have to look at that as the root. If these are people who are fighting for our country, doing extraordinary things, are we taking care of them when they get back home? And if we're not, then that's a problem that needs to be addressed. I mean, on a larger scale, when I think about, you know, black soldiers in particular, going to fight for America, coming back, and America does not welcome them, you know, with open arms, I think about World War One. And I think about the black soldiers who did the same thing, and they came back, and they were still spat on and treated like second-hand citizens at best. And out of that came the Harlem Renaissance. Yep. Right? Out of that frustration came, you know, these great literary and artistic minds, and they came together, and they wrote a new narrative. And I think we're being forced to write a new narrative. And If we can learn that lesson from history, if we can use social media, if we can can have our friendships and our family and we can come together and we can discuss these things, we can find solutions in our own community. We don't need to ask the system that is assassinating us to provide us with a solution. We can find the solutions within ourselves. I'm curious about this. See, like where is your head with
3: all of this, everything that's going on? Well, uh, a few things. Uh, at some point, I would like to, to go and treat economics comments, do some issue, But it's it's uh it's, it's getting it's getting real out there. Uh, like you said, like 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 what happened two instances back to back, and then we have Detroit, Dallas. Uh. I will listen to a a, a a clip of a hip hop on his quote mic and he was just expressing anger and frustration and talking about things to the individual like uh one uh one candidates, mm-hmm. pulling money out of uh, of uh, banks, just do certain things we do without using the term war or uh, or uh, or violent terms because we you know not win that never win that, thing. We never win that thing. How many of us are trained for that? Exactly. How many of us have, have armament to deal with, not, milk, not milk, but the military, but the white militia?
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: they're, they're, they're just like salivating and have to pay for that. So we can do, there are things we can do, economically, uh, politically, social media-wise, to counteract this, uh, just make things uncomfortable. For people day to day lives, uh, or businesses day to day lives, to get to have to have respect for ourselves, uh, and we have people who want to do, who want to help with this, that, uh, we can, and this, this is this is what and this is what artists do. We can we can get out there. We can show, express things in our art to uh, to invite change, to inspire people, uh, to get things on our chest, to express ourselves. Uh, whether you're a poet, whether you're a performance artist, whether you're a visual artist, if you're a writer, we can do pieces, publish pieces, and especially with the incident today, we just go out there and, and it's pretty loud, we don't need a publisher, we we'll do uh, someone to say, to discover us, uh, to, to discover us, you give us an opening, we just do it, and a lot of us have a training, a lot of us went to school, a lot of us are doing it professional, Yeah. so uh, my name is where it's usually it is to, yeah. uh, to do work to reflect who we are, whatever we're doing, uh, whatever we are, in the, in whatever way. Uh, I'm always about whether whether I'm doing finance work or whether I'm um, doing my own work. I want to reflect what we're doing, not to be a mirror, but show vision as well. Whether it's uh, us in a in a futuristic way or whether it's us in a real sense, real world, real time way, but a sense of, of sense of who we are. Right. Our, 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 uh, our nuances, our experiences, and our personalities. Yeah, and it, it's, it's telling that um, recently, Rosarian Publishing did a book, APB, Artist Against brutality, um, which I, I hope to spotlight here, but it, it, it sold out from here, which is a good thing, actually. That means that people are, you know, uh, just recently sold out, like this week. So it means that with everything that's happening, people are coming out and they're looking for something to to feed their energy of change. I'm scared that what happened in Dallas is, is not just a tipping point. It's just, it's like the first trickle of everything that's bubbling up inside of people. That's that's the scary thing, that's what scares me, um, that people are just fed up, and it's just, it really, like, I find it ironic that all of this is coming down right at the same time that this magnificent documentary on O.J. Simpson in America has uh, debuted on ESPN, which it tells the story of O.J., but more importantly, tells the story of um, the black population in Los Angeles and their relationship with the police there. And just, wa- just watching that documentary gets your blood boiling, you know? And then for all of this to just come out like it has, it's um, it, it's... It is scary. It is scary. But the world, like you said, Joe, with social media, making the world more of an, an inclusive and together neighborhood does allow um, for change to be um, even more immediately felt. Um, but I used to also say, we do need to take advantage of different forms of social media uh, in a more progressive way and not just, you know, selfie and everything and going forward with it, thinking a little bit more forward with it and uh, using those names to, you know, kickstart change. Just like if not for Facebook Live, we would not have had the video that we had of uh, uh, Fernando Castillo, the horrific uh, video that it is, like, just, you know, I think it,
1: it was shut down. And then it was like yeah. that, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, look, to move the technology today its so scary, but yet, you know, um, so very useful. I mean, we had Periscope, where you could do it. I mean, the Facebook Live is this yeah. new thing everybody's using it, and is exposing people in real time without any kind of publicist being in the way or any type of you know television boss someone was like, well let's cut this story, let's cut this line, and we see it wrong. And and in that situation it was a licensed carrier, you know, in a car being stopped for a broken, you know, with a taillight. Mm-hmm. And then he was following along. People even you know, we, we question all the we question the, the the victims all the time, we question the deceased all the time, but never the people who were alive. And people say, well, what happened before? People, like, it shouldn't matter. A broken taillight stop should not result into a, a, the death. And you did everything right, like, legally. When if you're, a, if you're a gun carrier, legally you're supposed to tell the police officer, I am a gun carrier, I have a license, this is where it is, and they respond with, show me your license and registration. Why is it that when you're asked to show something legally, the first question, you, you get killed? You know, you have all these police saying that they're scared. Why are you? Why are you on the on, on the beat? Why are you in a cruiser if you're so scared of the people that you're policing? And and that's the problem that we are having. We have a bunch of scared police all of a sudden running around in the streets. And if that's the case, then we even get them off the streets. Yeah, you know? Some, some self-examination, which is a lot to ask to this country. Or some
3: self-examination. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was another clip on Facebook with. Uh, he went in on the officer on the phone call. He basically asked the officer, the officer do something wrong. He said the officer kind of hesitant a bit. And he went in on the officer about, see, so you can't even critique other officer if I, if, as a DJ, if I see a DJ doing bad, I will say it because he's doing bad. And we, did, as artists, definitely other artists mm-hmm. we always critique other artists. I mean, I know I was critiqued a lot coming up, and other, other officers have a Problem saying another officer is something bad, is something wrong, and so um, it's, it's it's a problem with police, the a problem with this this country having a problem with self-examining yourself and saying we messed up, we've doing something wrong here, we've we been doing something wrong, and I hope there's some self-examination with this egregious uh, behaviors, these egregious actions that's happening. When the man being shot after selling CDs at yeah. years, the man, being yeah. shot after the Ill- illegally correct thing, brought in his uh, book box, even though know, that's shown to be dangerous too. with his brother that was in the gas station, that went back in to, go to his car to uh, get his license, the cop shot him. Of brother survived. But, I mean, you, you're told to go, I'm going to get my license now, or I'm going to go get my gun license. Hold on a minute. I guess a certain movement is just like moving moving to the right, moving to the left, moving backwards, anything a the right Yeah, It's becoming a stand-up for everybody else, Joyce, the group called learn, learn helplessness. Anything we do is something wrong, so sometimes people just end up doing nothing. That hope doesn't happen, but uh, hopefully something powerful will come out of these actions.
6: Um, I think that's, like, the worst part of all of this. Like, nobody's being held accountable. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason. Like, I think we all can agree, like, this is wrong. You know what I mean? Regardless of the circumstances or somebody's history or record or anything like that, none of these instances should have escalated or ended with the death of a man. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't have to, plain and simple. And nobody's being held accountable. Like, everybody, like you said, is afraid to cross that thin blue line. Like, police are infallible. Like, they are human, but they're perfect. So I can't criticize and say they ever did anything wrong ever because they're a cop and they're my brother, so they're perfect. Like, nobody's being held accountable. Like, it's not being called murder. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it, was, it just went bad. It was a bad stop. No, you killed him, and there was no reason you didn't have to. Like, there was no reason. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can't be afraid and do this job if you're so terrified of these people. Like, I don't understand
2: is Yeah, a good point, I'm glad that we're talking about uh, accountability. Um, I, I feel like, at this point, I feel failed by the system, obviously, <laughs> you know what I mean, for obvious reasons, but I, I also feel like the system itself has failed the police as well because of this sense of, you know, infallibility. Uh, they're not being forced to be responsible for their actions, right? Even, I feel like, here's, here's what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to be eloquent, because Joan's in the room, he's intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging for all my <laughs> words.
6: Like, I mean, who do think Um 75,
4: SAT,
1: three
2: levels. Um, uh, basically, I feel like as a cop, your job is to serve and protect. It is an extraordinarily difficult job, otherwise all of us would be cops. You know what I mean, it's a it's a duty, it's a right, it's a privilege. Like it's a, I don't have a problem with the institution of police. What I have a problem with is these cops on an individual level: one, killing us; two, not holding their brother cops responsible for these atrocities. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm a cop. Recovering. Or yeah, I'm a cop. I'm not a cop in a different city, in a different state, on the other side of the country. Like, yo. What they're doing down there is effing wrong. Like, we all, yo, give me your badge. Like, from a, from one law enforcement member to another, you are effing up. You are a danger to yourself and others. You are not in a state of mind where you should be carrying a weapon. You are not in a state of mind where you should be enforcing any kind of law, because clearly, you don't get it. So give me this, give me that. You all need to be shut down. Calling the FBI, this needs to be reevaluated. Like, these are playing by the system's rules, which logistically, how that would be a way to do that. But the ones in power to make that happen, vis-à-vis these, these cops, are not doing so. So there's that. I really like the point you brought up about uh, an alternative type of revolution, doing it financially, doing it technologically, however else, aside from, from violence. And it brought to mind um, in January 1972, Iceland shut down for a good half a day because the women were like, I'm done. You're not gonna talk to me like this at work. You're not gonna talk to me like this at home. You're not gonna run up in my house causing all this ruckus and I'm trying to feed you. And re- no, I'm done. And all of them walked off of their jobs, walked out of their houses and protested and were like, gender equality now, fools. The country shut down. The men were like, oh, um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know, think about men here. Think about all the women that you work with. Imagine if everybody got up and left. Think about your mom when they was like, you know what? I'm not cleaning no more. Done. Like you have to stop. You have to come to terms with what that contribution means to your society or your culture or whatever the case may be. And I feel like there are enough of us, and there are enough people in positions with the resources, with the funds, to do that successfully in this country. We covered an event in February, the Black Engineer the Year Awards. That was thirty thousand rocket scientists. Like, come on, don't tell me if I didn't get all those people together and be like, listen, I'm out, let's go to Mars, it'll be a new Wakanda, let's do this, let's go, that in 30 months they couldn't at least give me a blueprint. Like, alright, this is what we need. And don't tell me Ray right, Ray right, and then couldn't get the parts. Like, don't, don't play with me. Like, it's possible. The problem is, the reason why all of us aren't ready to drop everything and leave is because so many of us are reliant upon these paychecks signed by these white people. And I hate to bring it there, but by and large, it's what the problem is. Like, I can't, oh, i love to protest, but you know, like, oh, no, like, I got phone bill, can braces need to go to work. You know what I mean? Like, so part of that is finally just releasing ourselves from the the, the entrapment of the system and being like, no, I'm not gonna follow these rules anymore. I'm not trying to kill anybody, I don't want to get killed. I'm just not acknowledging this, any further, as a source of power over me. And to do that would require a whole shift of social consciousness. And that's the hard part, you know what I mean? We have the tools, we have the means. We have in every way, shape, or form, especially on the internet, like, remember when Chicago, like, rose up and Trump tried to come in there? Like, always they were like, oh, they were like, no, 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 no. So I feel like we have the ability and the power to do so. The hard part is getting everybody on the same page peacefully, without shedding any more blood.
3: Well, I'll give you a chance to
5: uh, just respond to that Joe over here.
4: All right, um, all right, You okay. You want to use my mic? Yeah. to <laughs> 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 But i
1: Um just thinking about um, being a juror, what is your civic duty? The questionnaire here asks you, would you be likely to believe the testimony of a police officer and law enforcement? And, I, and in my head I'm saying to myself, Lynn, no. Because at this point, with all of the stuff that's been going on, how can you believe um, anyone in law enforcement? Not to say that all of them are, you know, bad, but just coming to the forefront of my mind, it's like, I can't believe whatever they say. Takes me to the possibility of the situation that the young lady with the top, um, I think, pushed on the face because she forgot yeah. to put on her turn signal. But the video shows that she put her turn signal on, and then um, he was let off because of the fact that it wasn't proven, whatever. But they had all of the video footage to prove. Everything that was, um, that she was saying, but because she was recording and they were saying that she was high and all that kind of stuff, like they just basically said all these other things about her that weren't true, it didn't have anything to do with the situation because of how for her case and they proved that she put on the terms mm-hmm. and et cetera. But, um, I don't know, there's just so much going in my going through my mind and dealing with children in school. It's like, what do I say to them? How do I teach them every day to believe, to trust that police officers or anyone, law enforcement, or are to be respected because they see TV when they're not around me. So it's hard in my position to be able to say to them that no matter what, you continue to do the right thing. And even doing the right thing, is still wrong. So I don't, I'm don't. i kind of torn um, as an educator what to say, even though this is the summer, but um, again, this, I'm just kind of torn, so thank you for this opportunity.
3: That's, a, that's an interesting question, because I've actually thought about that myself, like uh, remembering best when I was in school and the officer and the fireman would come to the class, you know, to talk about what they did, and you were taught to trust the police, you know, the, the, the police would, they're the good guys, you know, and, and even still now, something happens in your house, your first thought still is to call the police, even though you know, I uh, don't you know, you know, it might, might be like that Dave Chappelle bit, you know, before they get here, you know, you start breaking down everything in your house because it's too nice for me, you know, I don't want them to feel left. Um, but I started thinking about what do you tell the kids coming up?
1: What do you tell them? Well, I mean, I, I wanted to answer that because, you know, I also, well, I'm not a teacher, but, like, I work at, I work at a school for an after-school program, and, um, you know, in the summertime now, the kids are asking a lot, lot more questions, a little bit more in that setting. And we did kind of have a conversation about um, police, because I remember one of the children, like, you know, hate is such a very strong word. Um, and these children, they use these words whether they know, them, know what they mean or not. I mean, I, I had a kid in my class that said they hate Jews, and i was like, what do you mean? Like, what, like, where did you get this from? And they're just, I just hate them. I'm like, what about them? And they couldn't give me an answer and that would let me to you know that they're just regurgitating something that somebody said. You know what I'm saying? Because well, there's no reason for that. Like, I promise anybody anyway. But like when it came down to police, I remember they, um, one of the kids were reciting one of the lyrics and they were saying something about they ate cops and, you know, kill all the cops. And we're outside in my garden, um, you know, helping out walking on garden, and one of the children feels the need to want to yell out at car passing by, you know, if you and I'm like, I had a pool was like, no, no, this is not what we do, and the conversation that we had, I didn't want to yell at them, but you know, um, I wanted to have a conversation with them, I was like, what makes you feel that you can say this to them, you know? And his reasoning was like, you know, which, which, where I got, I get where he was coming from. In light all this stuff that's going on, he was like, well, they're out there killing us, and they don't have respect for me, so why should I have respect for them? And I get that, you know, I get that. You know, you treat people the way that you want to be treated. And, and I told him, I said, no matter what, you must you must still have pride in yourself. You must still respect yourself, and you still have respect of others. You know, there's, there is going to come a time where you're going to have to defend yourself. There's going to be come a time where people are going to take advantage of you, but you still have the same ground and still respect people first. I said, now what would have happened if that cop car would have turned around? Is the excuse that cops kill other kill other people and they don't have respect and They do going give need the right answer when they're coming over here? You know, because we see the video, they have no problem slamming down babies and dragging them across the road and pointing guns at their heads. So it's like, when are you going to tell them that's not a reasonable answer? And say, like, you have to be. I said, that cop didn't even do anything to you. You know, these are probably, you know, so I always say, like, have a conversation with them. Try to teach them, you know, I, for me it works, like, for me what works is that teaching them how to respect themselves first. Just respect the, themselves first, respect their family, respect the people around them. And just you have to learn how to trust. I mean, unfortunately, there's people who take advantage of that. But you know, when I'm in trouble, a cop is the first person I ask. I, I mean, as crazy as it seems in this situation, like you know, I'm afraid, but then I'm not because I still have that doubt that I know not everybody's like this. You know, not everybody's like this, and you have to walk with that type of faith. And you know, can't yes, really talk too much about faith in school, but. You know,
4: it's it's one of those things. I just
3: say, keep having conversations. You know, keep having conversations with these people. I am there, and I think this whole, everything that's happening this week, like, the problem I had with it was with the media's doing this story. Like, you see things in the media where it's saying, like, well, black people get mad when a cop kills us, but they don't do anything in the community when a black person kills another black person. Do I think that's a problem in our community. Yes, obviously. But the the thing about it is when a black person kills another black person in our community, there's always a conviction or consequence that goes with it. You. you never hear about um, a
6: black person killing another black person just getting slapped on the wrist. No, he's going to jail. But cops. They feel as though they can kill us, but in the media always try to justify, well maybe the black person shouldn't have done this, or maybe the people had his hands up. Well, that still doesn't justify the fact that you killed up in, up in this man. Like,
3: the thing that happened in Louisiana, they were, the first thing they did was pull up his um, background
6: check, well, well you know, he had a criminal record and stuff. What does it matter, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, and another thing I don't get is how people, the media try to portray it as, um, if you're a pro-black, you're anti-cop, or if you're a
4: um, pro-cop, you're anti-black. No, you can be both. Like me, I know a
3: person
6: like, that wants to empower myself, Uh, also, I have no common cops. I have some family members that are police officers. You
3: know, so, but the thing is, and not all cops are bad, it's just they're in a bad way for what some asshole cops are doing. And and it kind of works both ways with black people. Like,
6: I've always looked at stereotypes against people of color different than, like, white stereotypes because, like, for instance, white crime versus black crime. If a white person does it, the way the media will portray it is, oh yes, he's wrong for that crime that he did, but that's his responsibility, and he's going to jail for it. If a black person does the crime, not only is he responsible for that crime, but we all take the, the loss there because we're all being discussed for gangsters for
3: what some black people do. So. It, it, it's interesting you bring in media to this, and i know Joe, you're probably aware of this. Um, with the whole th- thinking about you know back to back. The whole thing with uh, the gorilla Harambe, and you know they had to kill the gorilla. But in the midst of all that, we learned everything about the mother, everything about the the father. The, 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 the father. wasn't well, even there. You know his security car, You know and, and you know everything. His whole like. Well, we kissed exactly. first, life. Exactly his video rental history. Everything. We learned everything about that. Cut to what happened out at Disney with the gator and the little boy dying. Well, you know, it's Invis- Disney's problem. No, do we hear anything about what happened with that thing? It's, it's totally different. Um, but to the point of where we can be the the uh, anonymous, <laughs> invisible um, answers. There was a young, the young uh, white boy. That was arrested for some kind of sexual violence on, on campus, oh, yeah. and the picture that was if the media would always run was like his prom picture. And we, you know, the voices were heard to say, "No, let's see that boy's mugshot." You know, because you're quick to see the black person taking the hurt walk. You know what I mean? Or their mugshot like in the newspaper and everything. Let's see that boy's mugshot. And they got I'm, changed. I'm
1: gonna tell you honestly. <laughs> like on a media standpoint and not to like you know be on one side of it. Honestly that has to do with and it's unfortunate because it still goes down to economic um, um, status, but that really has to do with people having a good lawyer. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these other these affluent like, families have good lawyers who can go in and go ahead of the go ahead of the press, tell them like no don't release this here. Here's some pictures, send this out to them. Whereas some black families who are struggling straight into even probably get up a decent lawyer They don't have that advantage. They don't have that advantage of a lawyer saying, like, hey, such and such is outside, such and such news is out there, let's get them out into the, get them out in the back. You know what I mean? Like, nobody is protecting those minority families when it comes to, when it comes to, like, like you said, the perp box, the the way that they're portrayed in the media. You know what I mean? nobody. Only very few cases that I've seen where it's just like, look, they're going to show these photos, they're going to say this story about them. Part of that has to do with the representation that they have, you know, because we all know Blink and I, there's a news truck right there with, with the cameras, and now they're going to be the thing Cresco, anybody can download the app be at the location, videotape a scene, and get paid for it, you know what I mean? So, like, news, you could be one second into doing something and somebody could already film it, you know, your representation is, is smashed right then and there, so. Yeah, I
5: mean, I think what we can learn from the American media apparatus is a reminder of the value system of America, right? So you're talking about a young man rapes an unconscious woman and he is given three months probation while that woman's entire life is eviscerated and she is shamed for a period of two years. So this young man, he's Caucasian, he's blind, he's cisgender, he's good-looking, and he's an happy. So we can see that those things are part of a national value system, right? So basically, we can see what is considered important and what is dismissed or what is mischaracterized. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean the education we get from it is, you know, the vocabulary of bias, and I think one thing we need to do is we need to look at media outside of the United States. Right, so do not just look at MSNBC, Fox, CNN, look at BBC, look at (laughs) Al Jazeera, look at at one thing that's happening. And watch four different news programs and see the four different perspectives and maybe get an entire picture. Right? Um, you know, another thing that's happening is because these tragedies are happening one in back of the other, they're actually getting smashed into each other and turned into one big media mess. Because I think you had a situation where, was it? Um, but Castile's mother was asked which she thought about the Dallas
2: incident. So, uh, Sterling's
5: mother. Oh, Sterling's mother, right? And her response was basically, I haven't buried my son yet. My, my son just got killed this week. And you're asking me about that? So basically, the American media did not even afford her the sympathy but they put her in a position to comment on this other thing, because they want to encapsulate it all and they want to use her position of being emotionally off guard and fragile to get a sound bite out of her mm-hmm. that can be used against um, us can be used against her, right? Because if she can comment on the Dallas incident, then we can distract from her We can distract from her laws. So as frightening as these things are, I think we need to look at them, and we need to say, what can we learn from them? What can we learn about if someone puts a camera in front of us? How are we going to respond to that? Maybe we say nothing. Maybe it's better to say nothing than to say the wrong thing that they will use against us, right? So, I mean, all this ugliness that's happening is unfortunately a series of lessons. The problem with that is, anti-blackness
2: is so, I'm going to put it out there, is a global thing. You know what I mean? It transcends ethnicity, it transcends nationality. Like, first people in India have a higher suicide rate. Than the other folks in India because of colors and all that stuff. So it's a lot, it's a worldwide thing, and in in part in that it's what we're suffering from in this country is the criminalization of innocent people and innocent situations. These be you know gorilla thing and and all the other stuff that's going on. Um, and on top of that, it's almost dehumanizing in a way. So the, the sympathy then. Is placed not with the oppressed, in this case, but with the people that are doing the oppressing. It's like, oh God, what are we have to do? Look at this. They just, won't. they just won't. Can you stop being black for like two seconds, please? Like, come no, on, enough. All right, we get it. You guys are amazing. Chill, right? We're trying to sort this here, and it's, it's, it's disheartening because it's not all encompassing. So the, the hard part is being able to, in your right mind, acknowledge that, be aware of that, and practice that, and teach that, you know what I mean? And have these conversations with people. On the other hand, it's like you're caught up in a bind because I don't particularly feel like being explanatory or, or you know soothing so that you may understand. So we, I think all of us are writing that fence that, that of you know, how do we Properly explain ourselves to each other and to everyone else. Um, as far as media representation is concerned, I everyone who knows, knows me knows I'm anti-Facebook like, for a good couple of years now I took a blue pill, It's great. Um, yes, it is a, a, a major media outlet, but again, I know people like code. Like the internet is not just Facebook's, you know, it's not just Googles. Like there's a whole Cyberpunk underground network there that none of us are aware of, alone you know, have access to. That it. It had we access to it. it, would provide us an opportunity to be on the spot when stuff like this happens and cover it without any type of hindrance. To give that kind of Al Jazeera BBC coverage. So that this way, we're being more reflective of ourselves in that sense. And that's probably something you. you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, right? You, know what I'm saying, right? you know what I'm I mean? I <laughs> that seems so inappropriate to say in this panel. Like I feel like now
3: I'm saying it's kind ever. of like what's and that's what saying. Yeah. Um, is there anyone else that wanted because this is like it's it's an open forum. It's, it's a conversation for for all of us to have um, because these are feelings that everyone has, I'm sure. Oh.
1: Hey guys, how are you doing? Um, I think at the heart of it, color aside, and I know that that's kind of touchy when people say put color side, it comes down to two points power and fear. And the thing is, if you are in a position of power and you need the power, if you continue to crave the power, you are always going to have to suppress someone to stay in power. And what we're seeing are people who feel powerless. Because only if you feel powerless do you feel the need to put somebody down, to let someone know who you are versus who they are. And then I think the other piece is fear, you know. And I think we're all in fear. The oppressed as well as the oppressor, you know. There's the fear that if I walk out here and I say the wrong things to the wrong person, what's going to happen to me? The fear that if I put this badge on and I go and I'm doing quote unquote my job, will someone take something out of me? And the question I even ask myself is, how do we get to a place that we can actually make people feel like, you know what, there's no, I have no need to conquer you, you have no need to conquer me, and we can both coexist. You know, because that's true coexistence, and not being blind to the plight of other people. Um, it's funny. I actually kind of avoided social media for a little bit because I, I wasn't sure what reaction I was going to have. You know, and then when I finally went on there, I realized why I was. You know, because there was this feeling of just hopelessness. You know, and I don't want to feel hopeless in a world that I have to continue living. In. You know. Um, I don't know if I have an answer. I don't know if I have an intelligent insight on how we get this better. I just, I think for me, it's helpful to acknowledge where the real problem lies, and not in so much the color of our skin, and not so much about where we're coming from. But at the end of the day, if we can't get rid of the fear that we have of each other, we're never going to build a bridge, and we're never going to be able to move on to the place that we want to be, so.
3: Fear going right back to the beginning there, Joe and, and Stephen. Um, that's what everybody is fearing. That's what sparked this conversation. Sparked you know, for I'm going to open up the door for this you can feel it. you can feel it just walking on the streets. Um and it's not just in in you know, like you say, that fear is, is colorless. It's not just in us, it's in everybody. You know, this is a mixed crowd that is here because there is, everyone is feeling it on in one level or another. Um, I, I I don't think we're going to find the answers here, but I think that in a way this conversation is, you know, a start towards the remedy. Um, it was interesting. I had a conversation with a friend at work just the other day. Um, this was amazing, like that, that. Two hours of time where it was just only the Alton Sterling thing happening, and um, she came up to me, a white woman, and she was hearing people talk about it. And somehow their conversation had gotten into the, talking about white privilege. And she was asking, me, you know, I hear this term all the time. What, what does it mean? What, what, what is it about? And I had to kind of like, it. she had not rudimentary idea of what it what it meant but to her thinking it was like I
2: don't see that as privilege I just see it as
3: I've never had to think about it <laughs> and I said you so, have it. but the interesting thing about
2: that was that she literally sat down and she was
3: like okay man okay she sat down went back to work I went back to my thing and about maybe an hour or so later, she came back to she came to my desk and she was like, "I'm there, when There you go. And that's that. Just that one step is a, a step in the right direction. You know. Um, before we get out of here, uh, you know, no, that's not, that's not it. That's not it. Uh, I wanted to, to open the, the door to Joe, to Stephen, to see if there were any last words. Thank you all for coming down here, but also. <laughs> but also, uh, thank you for coming out to support Joe, and, and thank Joe and Stephen for allowing us to take the opportunity of them coming down here.
4: To sell comics.
3: They can't even sell poly. Yeah. Which is a bagging book. So y'all should definitely buy it and be happy. The bagging comic book is, 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 is hot. But uh, I want to thank them for taking our opportunity to letting us open their signing up to this. Um so I want to open the door to everyone here signing with each other and see them. Um to any last words uh, that you we have some uh-huh.
4: Something
2: that might lead us back into this conversation about Solomon because uh, I, I haven't read it yet, obviously, but um, I was reading really a little bit about it today and um, mentioned that the protagonist you know, is, is a hacker, is a young hacker, and very interesting, so it's clear that you've been thinking about this kind of thing for a long time, probably before you see, you know, all of these events occurred, um, and do your feelings about
5: a non-violent revolution or revolution you know, partially mitigating using technology, um, did those inform the writing of that? Absolutely. I mean, definitely it was a product of our time. The creators gave Steve and I a lot of leeway with it, so for example, something as simple as, originally they wanted the character to live in Texas, and I was like, okay, that's I didn't say that's ridiculous, but it's ridiculous. (laughs) It it, it was an idea worthy of ridicule, And so I said, okay, um, if we're going to put him in a social setting in which we're going to deal with themes of class warfare, um, Steve and I live in Brooklyn. Let's do it in Brooklyn. Oh, wait a minute. Brooklyn is 99% gentrified. Oh, wait a minute. There's one spot in Brooklyn that is not gentrified here, and that's East New York. Bang. And I said, okay, we're going to put this in... New York. Um, the fact that he's a hacker, that was actually something that we were told, but I decided that it was going to be his form of activism. Um, he is not interested in breaking into Bank of America's servers or anything like that. His agenda is really going after corrupt, wealthy people and politicians and he's telling himself that he's doing it for the right reasons. Um, the reason he's doing it does connect to the death of his mom if will be to later, his mom was a crusader. Um, but the idea of revolution through invisible means, I think that's our, one of our only recourse, recourses now. I think the idea of revolution through art is one of our only recourses. You know, um, in ta book, Between the World and Men, he talks about the mutilation of a black body. So they are trying to destroy our bodies. But if we can hold on to our minds, if we can hold on to our spirits, if we can hold on to our heart, we can't break that. They don't understand that. They can't outsource that. They can't kill it, they can't shoot it, they can't burn it. Um, so, I think this book is our small contribution as part of our collective contribution to um, using art to kind of show our people in different lights. And it doesn't mean, you know, when you see a black hero, it doesn't mean he's immediately heroic, it doesn't mean he has all the answers. It means he's just trying to find a way. Um we're all just trying to find our way, you know? And so um that does inform the right everything that you know, everything that I do, I, I wanted to have a little something of reality in there within entertainment. I wanted to have something that somebody can connect to that they can identify with because I think if you look at, um, Life. So the stories that impact us the most, I think it all comes down to character, right? I don't care if it's Malcolm X or Luke Skywalker, right? Luke Skywalker is really a story about, you know, a guy who's, a guy who, who lost his dad. And, and the story of him getting reconnected with his dad It's ultimately a father-son story, right? Um, Malcolm X. Is just a man who went through so many transformations in my lifetime, right? So these things are all about stories and about characters. So, in some small way, I'm hoping that they are openings for discussions as well. And for us as black people to have the opportunity to tell stories about black heroes is not something that is commonplace in the American comic book industry, so the fact that we have an opportunity to do that, um, we should use it.
3: One thing I want to say is that, take the power. Take the power of our discussion. For instance, we say, this happened because of my life. We gotta change it down because, when that happens, we change our hand. We change our skin color, we be more common. We change something about us to be more likely. It's not because we're black, it's because of white supremacy. It's because of certain white people being racist, being white supremacy, uh, who, who they are to, to empower us. So when we say it, it's because I'm black, it's, like, it's like if there's some way we can change that, we just we got to, Know who we are and empower ourselves. And whatever way you can, whether it's through religion, through spirituality, through economics, through art, but organize with like-minded people to empower each other, to make a change in this environment, and to to, to, uh, put forth effort that will that will uh, engage the system to recognize our power. They do recognize our power. How do like, we recognize our uh, <laughs> When they come at us the way they do, they recognize who we are. So now we don't recognize who we are. And yeah, they come at us kind of hard. I mean, if someone is a shooting, I mean selling CDs and, he, and they get shops, it's still a CDs. I mean he must be a very powerful dude. If, he, if someone's a shot, they can move with his, his, his license. I guess guys are really nervous about his like having having a gun at all. So, you now we have the opportunity to make a, a dent in this discussion by being artists, by, uh, by putting our work out in public
4: form. And sometimes, um, i also so my work, I to get nervous. Hmm.
3: <laughs> I say, oh, wait, people are going to look at this stuff, and I'm, I might have to do it. <laughs> they might say something bad. And they may say, you know, you need to. I, mean, I remember before, I guess I've had some people before going to college. I, I I forgot how how hard it could be. But nothing's uh, happened so far. But um, it's part. It's part of the job. It's part of uh, the the life I chose to be a public forum to to show my work to everyone and see what happens. Hopefully, you like it. Hopefully, I make a change or make like, uh, uh, an impression on some people. Uh, to uh, to do something else, to inspire to create work, to create your own artwork, to look at themselves and be inspired by who they are and the variety of who we are. I mean, I get inspired by looking at us, uh, whether it's in a park, whether it's in a dance floor, or whether uh, uh, it's at a cultural event, Africa, or, uh, uh, in Anzacrica, or at a state York or something. Uh, we have a <laughs> good <laughs> here. We have a
4: deal
3: which I've been to since one. But you haven't done that, in other cultural events. But where where we concrete we who we who we are, there is such a richness in express and who we express on, especially with the way systems express themselves, the hair and the putriens are based on the shoes. I mean I'm inspired by that but I draw I draw characters in my books. And I, I I want to see I, I draw natural hair, I draw all that stuff. So all that stuff I draw upon us uh, uh, to put in you know, books and whether it is culture, whether it's revolutionary, whether it to stay based up. I want, to, I want to affirm who we are and how and how we grow. Okay. Well, it's um, it's, uh, it's it's close to closing time. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, not it's not my fault. But um, I want to thank Joseph, Stephen. I want to thank each and every one of you. Uh, give yourself
4: a, a round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> Do and, and,
5: uh, <laughs> you. 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 you have anything you wanted to say? Well, thank you, very Black Tribbles, for having us. So of course, we have to thank the Black Tribbles for setting this so, <laughs> up and opening up this discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Ariel, for having us, too. Oh, thank you. I just I wanted to thank
7: everybody for coming out, and you know, sharing your thoughts at this um, really tough time. I it's hard for me to really think about it. it, just makes me sad at the end of the day. So um but just thank you for coming out and, and sharing your thoughts and hopefully you know we're on the road to healing, to change, to, to figuring out this you know mess that we find ourselves in, you know, regularly has become so commonplace. But again, thank you for coming out. You know, we um, pride ourselves on being a community geek space. This is a place for everyone to just come and be who they are. Um, so if this is your first time here, thank you. Please come back. If it's not, thank you. Welcome home. Um, I want to encourage everybody to sign up for our mailing list up at the front uh, where we keep you informed at any time we're doing events like this. You know, if this is something you like you want to be a part of, you know, hook um, into our community and joining the MLM officially. And yeah, um, when you way out, make sure you grab some treats. Uh, things in the case are The cookies is bad. The base in the case are 50% off at the end of the night, so help us out so we don't have hey, to throw it right outside. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, guys. Thank you for coming and thank you for um, just sharing uh, venting and, and hopefully healing Mm -hmm. with us. Thank you for giving us a space.